0: Welcome to the One Hope Church Podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. But today we are ending this series of conversations that we have had since the beginning of the year, right? That, that since the beginning of the year, we've been talking about reversing the river. My, my hope has been that you are inspired that you are challenged, that my hope is that you will have a mindset that goes from here on out, that we've started thinking a certain way that says we are not going to settle for the unhealthy. We're not gonna settle for the unhealthy areas in our life, maybe the areas in our lives that really are destroying who God created us to be and my hope is is that we will challenge ourselves that we will look at those places and say whatever it takes god i want what you have for me which is better which is more and that we will not settle for anything Less. And so we're going to finish today. And today we're going to go to a famous, well-known passage of scripture, John chapter 10. Now what I want you to do, sometimes I just have it on the screen and you guys can do what you want, but what I'd like you to do is take out your phones or take out your Bibles. There's always a Bible in the seats. If you're at home, you can grab whatever you have. I'm going to keep referring back to this story. And I kind of want to have it in front of you. I'll I'll show it on the screen, but I want you to have it in front of you as I speak. Because in this portion of Scripture, what you're going to see is Jesus sharing a teaching. And in this teaching, he's going to give a clear and simple picture of who he is, and a clear and simple picture of a a calling on our life. And what I'm hoping we walk away with today is, oh, that's what Jesus has called me to do. This is who Jesus is, and this is a simple and clear picture of what we are called to be as we follow him. So can I read John chapter 10, 1 through 18? Jesus' words, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact. They will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand. There's a spiritual component. They did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And they will come in and they'll go out and they'll find pasture. The thief comes to, only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is, is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd." The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So this passage, passage is pretty well known, right? You've you probably heard portions or all of this passage before. And this story I want to tell you is fascinating to me. This story is fascinating because it has layers and layers and layers, and to be honest, I'll tell you from the beginning, there is so much to this story that I can't share all of it in one message. If we're hanging out in my office, we're in your house, you're like, Scott, can we talk about John 10? We could talk for hours on this, okay? Because there is so many details, so much depth, and so what we're going to do today is we're going to tackle pieces of this, just pieces of this that fit into the idea of the reversing the river. And, and then what we'll do is we'll, we'll leave the other stuff for another day. Now, to know the power of this passage, we need to know the context of this passage. And so, like I do so often, I'm going to ask you to do something. Mentally, emotionally, can we walk away from where you sit in this seat in Tuscaloosa 2022, and can we try to mentally go to the context of where this was written and the time that it happened? See, this portion of Scripture is happening in Jerusalem. Jesus is in Jerusalem, and the Jewish people are there because what's happening in this moment is there's something called the Festival of Lights. Now, John's gospel talks about the Festival of Dedication. Now, you may not think you know what that is, but you do because you've heard of this before. But the way you've heard of it is Hanukkah. Okay? And so there are thousands of Jewish people here, and they're celebrating the rededication of the temple. And Jesus in this, in this moment is in the part of the temple called Solomon's porch. It would have run alongside, I think the east side of the temple. It's a pretty long period. And Jesus would have been hanging out in there and he's talking to lots of people, but he's, ta- but he's specifically teaching to the Pharisees. Okay, he's teaching to the Pharisees, he's teaching to the religious leaders for the same reason he's always teaching the religious leaders, because he's trying to help them see what is changing. He's helping them see who he is and what is changing. Changing. So what we have here is a famous story where Jesus talks about himself as being a shepherd. But this happens all the time. Jesus talks about himself in the language of being a shepherd. And there's a reason, there's a couple reasons that Jesus does this, specifically in this part, because shepherding was such a culturally known thing that he could tell who he was and what he came to do in a way that the people could understand. But the second reason is because In the story of Israel, not just the New Testament right here, but the Old Testament, the story of Israel, when they would talk about their leaders, it would be talked about in the context of a shepherd. It was just part of their story. See, when you read the Old Testament, we'll say... You'll often see that they're talking about their leaders as being this shepherd, and, and, and Israel is kind of a mess. Israel, the story of Israel is they have a lot of ups and downs. There's no, they're not really any different than us, right? Like They have their great moments that they tell, but then there's this part of the story that they're just a complete mess, and they've lost their way. They can't figure things out, and so what you have is hundreds of years, they would have a good leader, and during the, that time, they would be following God. They'd be That leader would point them to God. They would follow the laws. They would put... God at the center of their culture and the center of their life. And in remembering these leaders, they would say, this is a time period when we had a good spiritual shepherd. That's what, So maybe David, they talk about King David. David was our good spiritual shepherd. But then there's other times. And to understand John 10, we've got to understand the context and that Jesus is speaking into. There would be other times where years and years of things would be a mess. Israel would get a leader, and, and, and he, the leader would not have the fear of God in them. They would have their own agenda, and the nation would fall away. You see this in places like Ezekiel. Ezekiel's talking about this time period when they had a a leader who did not put God at the center. They didn't follow the laws. And you know what they called that leader? And he, whatever the name is, whatever that time period, was a false shepherd. So you'd have these moments where you talk about the, the times when they had a good spiritual shepherd. And then you'd have the false shepherd. And then after those times, Jesus, I'm I'm sorry, God would come and he'd bring correction to the Israelites and they'd come back to him and they'd come back to following God and they would do this over and over again. And so Jesus, in this moment in John 10, he's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the religious leaders and they would have known the context, the understanding of leadership, time periods, and the context of shepherds. See, when we See John 10. Maybe you've read this in the past. It seems like just a good analogy. Oh, I get it. Yeah, shepherds. Yeah, I get it. Jesus is a good shepherd. and he There's so much more going on right now. We've got to know the cultural context of what has happened in the past and how they viewed their leaders. And so for us, it's just an analogy. But Jesus is trying to make a very powerful point. In this moment, he's actually making a very in-your-face, bold claim to these Pharisees. He's declaring something very cultural changing is about to happen. That he is not the false shepherd, but he is the good shepherd, the good spiritual shepherd that has come, that they've been waiting for we need to know this. What I'm hoping is at the end of today's teaching is that when you know the context and we see then the powerful lesson that Jesus was trying to bring, something will go off in our head and say, okay, I can do that. So that's the first piece of context. Leadership. Jesus talked talking about leadership in the past and he's the good shepherd, not the false shepherd. Okay. The second piece of context that I need you to know to understand why this story is so powerful for today's purposes is that we need to understand that there are two ways that shepherds would keep their sheep, okay? If shepherding and sheep were a big part of the culture, then we need to understand how these these shepherds would keep their sheep. Sometimes the shepherds would have their sheep in the hills, they would have them in the countryside. They have them in the pastures, okay? And they'd be there for weeks, days, weeks. They'd be just just leading. them, And that's kind of how you think of shepherds, right? You think of them in the hills. Well, there are other times that the shepherds would bring their sheep to the village. And then they would board their sheep, okay? It's kind of like I drive from my house to the church every single day, and I go on Martin Road, and on Martin Road there's this, there's this, dog kennel, I guess. I, I actually, I probably should pay attention to the name of it. I don't. But what I see outside is these dogs all running around together and just playing, having a great time. This is actually what happens sometimes with the sheep, when the shepherd would bring them into the village. And so Jesus is referencing these two different ways that sheep would be kept. Now, now, in the first part of the story, Jesus is, is kind of talking about when you bring the, the sheep to the village. What would happen is the shepherd would bring the, the, their sheep, their flock, to this communal pen. And then they would bring them in, and the sheep would be inspected, and then they just let them go in with the rest of the sheep, and they would all mix together. Okay? And what would happen then? The the shepherd would leave, he'd go get a good night's sleep somewhere, and he'd pay for someone to watch over the sheep. This is just normal. The shepherd had a good night's sleep, he'd come back the next day, and he would walk up, and the gatekeeper would see he's a shepherd, and what would the shepherd do? He would call his sheep. Picture it. All these flock of sheep are just together, running around, doing what sheep do, and the shepherd walks up, opens it, and the shepherd makes a sound, makes his call, and his sheep would know that, and they would come running to the gate. If there were not his sheep, they would either ignore the shepherd, or they would go the other direction. This is how they would know whose sheep was what? Because they would know the call of the shepherd. And then after the sheep would come, the shepherd would leave them, and they go into the hills and do what sheep and shepherds do. You know, they hang out in the hills, whatever. That's why when Jesus says in verse 3, the gatekeeper, let's go back this why I want from, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he's brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep will follow him why? Cuz they know his voice. They'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Okay? This is the context of verse 3. So Jesus, once again, is talking to these Pharisees, and he's telling them, Anyone that is not him is a false shepherd, they're a thief, and they're a robber. And you know what? He's looking at them, he's saying, That may be you, it may be a previous leader. It may be a spiritual enemy in your life. And that's where we get the famous text that I've said plenty of times here, John 10:10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life into the full. Jesus is painting a picture. His people will know him. Picture it. Leave this room. We're in the temple. We're in Solomon's porch. He's talking to the the Pharisees like his people will know him. His people will follow him. They won't follow anyone else. He has come to be the good shepherd. Things are changing. Okay? This is the first context. But then what we see is Jesus almost seems like he's repeating himself. Okay, He seems like he's repeating himself, but he's not. He's giving a second picture. The first time they're in the village. But now they're in the hills. They're in the countryside. They're in the pasture, okay? And when the sheep and shepherd are in the hills, they have to find a place to sleep at night. They have to find a safe place. So sometimes that's a cave. Sometimes that may be a pen that maybe someone has built and other flock have used it. They're now gone. They moved on and they have a place to stay. Whatever it may be. But when they find their safe place at night, he says the good shepherd lays down in front. The good shepherd lays in front of the entrance. And if anything is going to try to get to the sheep, They have to go through him. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is painting pictures for these people to see. They're saying what they know in regular life. They would know. They would see, oh, that's who Jesus says he is. So the wolf tries to come get you. you got to get past me. Anything dangerous is coming at you. I will lay down my life to protect the sheep. And then Jesus makes a really cool comparison. Jesus, it's like, it's like he's, he's putting a slap in the face of people who have come before him. When he says, the good shepherd is not like the hired hand. He's not like the hired hand who doesn't own the sheep. When the wolves come, he runs away because he does not own them. He's like a false shepherd. He does not love the sheep. But no, not the good shepherd. The good shepherd loves the sheep and will lay down his life. These are the pictures that Jesus is giving. Listen, if we just read these stories, but don't understand the underneath side of this, they can just be good analogies. But when you go, oh, he's talking about history of leadership and a false shepherd to a good shepherd, and this is how sheep are taken care of. Sometimes they're in the village, and and sometimes the shepherd has to speak it so they can come to him, And, and sometimes the good shepherd has to protect the sheep. We start seeing this, and Jesus is talking into their world, understanding their world. He's like, here's a picture Of who I am. And so Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He's giving them these pictures. And in this moment, he's doing three powerful things. He's he's speaking three powerful truths to these Pharisees. One, he's telling them who he is. Two, he is foreshadowing his death for humanity. And three, he is announcing a call for his people. Right? right. So like number one, you see this, he's telling people who he is. We've just gone through this. He's, I'm the good shepherd, not the false shepherd. He wants the Pharisees to see a comparison, a, 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 a compare contrast situation of, I'm not them, this is who I am. Jesus does this all the time. And John 14, 6, this is how he says it. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You've heard this, right? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When you look through commentaries, you'll see they go, John 10 Is repeated again in John 14, 6, just in a different kind of way. Jesus is trying to give this message to the people that he is different, that no one gets to Jesus, I mean, no one gets to God, that he is there to protect them, he is there to be the shepherd. Now, the second thing is he's foreshadowing. He is going to lay down his life for them, and they don't know it yet. Right? He's letting them know before he ever does it. I'm going to lay down my life for you. Through my death and resurrection, this is where you're going to find salvation. This is where you're going to find life. This is where you, what you've been looking for is found. He's foreshadowing it. And then the third thing is he's making an announcement of a call for the people. What if the main point here that Jesus wants the hearer to walk away from is, I am the good shepherd? And if you believe that I am the good shepherd, then you have one job. If you can trust that I'm the good shepherd, what that does, it leaves you with one job. So once again, don't act like he's talking to the Pharisees or anybody else listening. What if he's talking to you today? If I'm the good shepherd, then you have one job, and that needs to be we need to begin to live our life as a sheep. What if this is what Jesus is trying to get across? He tells this story now, it would have been in the face of the Pharisees, it may not feel that way to us today. So maybe we're the ones listening on. We're not the Pharisees. Maybe you are. Where Jesus is trying to make this point, like, what if we left there now and let's come back today and, ha- and, and see, how does this play into the conversation we have been having for the last month, reversing the river? What if this story is about Jesus has come and he is the one who has reversed the river? Maybe the story we need to get is we're not the centerpiece of the story. We're not the hero of the story. We're not the ones that have done the hard work. If you remember the first week, couple of weeks, I told you about the story in Chicago, where this came from, and the people had to do all the work to get this river reversed. That was about them. But what if this idea of reversing the river is not about you, it's not about me. The story is that Jesus has come and he has reversed the river for humanity. And this story makes it really, really clear. And then the call from that, it's now our job to be transformed and to reverse the river of our life. And the one job that we have called, been called to is reverse how we live our life, to become the sheep. That God has called us to be. What if this story, now once again, I'm just using the components for reverse the river series. There's so much going on here that it just fascinates me. But what if that's what this story for us is to be? That Jesus is coming to us and he's saying, trust me. Trust me. They're in the middle of this They're in the middle of this dedication of the temple and thousands of people are there. And he looks like, trust me, I am the good shepherd. I need you to buy into that. And if you'll buy into that, there's one way that you will learn to be my shepherd. There's only one thing that you need to do. And that is simply this. Learn my voice. So he gives this whole story. And what if we can break it down just to the pieces? I'm the good shepherd. You need to be the sheep. And when that is the relationship, you have one job. Learn my voice. See, when you live life by being my sheep, That maybe Jesus is like, it's then I'm able to protect you. It's then that I'm able to provide for you. It's then that I can give you freedom. It's then that I can give you peace. It's then that I can give you direction in life. But until you become the sheep, then you're on your own. But if you'll just buy into who I am and who you need to be, then this relationship then can work. And until we get the idea of this relationship, then things are going to be a mess. Until we reverse this mindset in our life, we miss what Jesus has come to do and who we are supposed to be. What if the life we are looking for is simply on the other side of saying, Jesus, I trust you to be my shepherd. What if the life we really, really need is on the other side of just saying, okay, I give. I'll trust you to be my shepherd. So what I need to do is reverse whatever in my life is going to allow me to learn your voice. And maybe that's our one job. What if we complicate life too much? Do you ever complicate life too much? And Jesus comes before them and goes, this is simple. I'm the good shepherd. Everyone that come before me, they're thieves, they're robbers. No, I'm the good shepherd. Now you have one job, be my sheep. And the one job, sheep are simple, yeah? Learn my voice. And how did the sheep learn the voice of the shepherd? Really simple. They spend time with the shepherd. There's only one way to learn the voice of the shepherd. You don't do it from a distance, you don't do it when when you're doing your own thing. You do it by spending time with the shepherd. And maybe this morning, a simple truth I want to give you is the one thing that's holding you back from experiencing everything that Jesus has for you, waiting for you, is that we don't spend time with the shepherd to learn the voice of the shepherd. How can we walk with the shepherd? How can we follow the shepherd if we don't know the voice? It's impossible. So, self-inventory... How much time have you spent with the shepherd? This past month, how much time have you spent praying, listening, just spending time with the shepherd? How much time have you spent trying to learn the voice so you know how to follow is there a chance that you keep asking and wanting and seeing a picture of God move in my life, direct me in my life, how I'm supposed to live life, and the whole time he's speaking, but you don't know the voice because you haven't spent time with. See, when I look at what's necessary to learn the shepherd's voice, I kind of was like, I think it's three simple things. Maybe this can just help you make it simple to learn the voice, we have to have consistent time with, an openness in speaking to, and humility in listening from. Okay, I tried to break it down, just so maybe you could remember, is that without, let me just say one component of it, without a prayer life, That is consistently putting us in time spent with God where we speak to and we hear from. That we speak with openness and vulnerability consistently and sit there and shut our own mouths so we can listen, to shut our own minds so we can listen. Without this, we can't learn the voice of the shepherd. What if this whole thing could be broken down? Until he's the good shepherd, you trust him. And if you do trust him, then you'll be the sheep. And the sheep spend time with, speak to, and listen from. That your lack of life in prayer, lack of time spending with, is the gap between you experiencing, living out, receiving from everything that Jesus has for us. told you we're going to take communion today. And what if this is the story of communion? That Jesus has come He's like, I'm the good shepherd, I want to protect you, I want to provide for you, I want to speak to you, I want to spend time with you, I want to build this relationship, I want to do everything, I want to bring you freedom, I want to bring you peace, I want to bring you joy, I want to bring those things that you're looking for in life, but you've got to come to me for it. And he's like, listen, you don't have to reverse the river in life, all you have to do is reverse yourself, where you put yourself in the seat of a sheep, and when you do that, you can receive the salvation When you do that, you are willing to ask for forgiveness. When you're doing that, you can just take everything that Jesus has done. And so Jesus came. And he's up there in that upper room with his disciples. And he's telling them, hey, take my body and remember me drink this and remember what I'm done for you. He's like, listen, when you get together, you need to remind yourself that I gave my life for you for today. I was the good shepherd that laid my life down and when things came at you, the wolves came after you, the life, the dangerous things in life came after you. I laid down my life so you didn't have to. And so today we're going to take communion and remember this. But this is what I want to do. I want us to maybe take this communion in a way we haven't thought of before. We take this communion, could our mind be, thank you, Jesus, for being the good shepherd? And as we take this, could we take it making a commitment to, I'm going to try to live like the sheep, I'm going to try to learn to hear your voice. And when I do that, I know that I'm going to experience the life you have for me. So that's so what we're gonna do. We're gonna worship as we end. And maybe you've taken communion in a lot of different places and they do different ways. I'm gonna let you take communion as you have that conversation with God. Maybe you want to come forward and you want to do this an altar. Maybe you want to do it as a family in your seats. Maybe I, hey, we let you do what is right for you. But I want to push you today before you take it, will we take it with the mindset of thank you for being the good shepherd. I will commit to it. I'll be the sheep. Now listen, maybe there's someone in here you've walked away from Jesus, and your first step to being the sheep is saying, God, forgive me for my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me and so I can give my life to you. Maybe you need to say that prayer first. And then you take commitment knowing that you're just a simple sheep under the covering of the great shepherd, the good shepherd that loves you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being the good shepherd. Thank you for loving me so much that you would give your life for me. But God, to live in your love, we have to learn your voice because you're speaking to us. You're speaking direction. You're speaking the guidance. You're speaking forgiveness. You're speaking love. You're speaking peace. You're speaking freedom. You're speaking joy. You're speaking all of this into our life. And so God, I pray that we would learn your voice. But it starts with admitting you're the good shepherd. It starts with trusting you're the good shepherd. Because it's only then that we can submit ourselves to just being your sheep. So God, as we take communion today, may we remember all that you did. May we take this communion with joy. May we take this communion just with a thanksgiving and understanding what you've done for us. Will you speak to your people today? your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.